Ever thought about starting your own business as an interior designer? Join Liz Levin, nationally published design entrepreneur of 20 years, as she interviews experts, colleagues, and creatives to pull back the curtain on the design industry. Whether you're passionate about design, eager to start your design business, or simply curious about what happens behind the scenes, we're here to open the doors for you. Welcome to Behind the Drapery Podcast. Today's episode of Behind the Drapery welcomes my good friend and fabulous interior decorator, Sally Stepankis Roach. Sally's design aesthetic is one with a classical base, but an updated, personalized, and functional execution. Sally sees decorating a client's home as a rewarding and exciting challenge in which she fits together the eclectic pieces of an artful, comfortable, and luxurious puzzle. Whether the homeowner's style is a more contemporary or traditional, Sally's sharp attention to detail, her love of clean simplicity, and highly skilled sense of color meld together to complete the desired effect. Her homes exude the characteristics of the client, often practical, always personal, and tailored to be a perfect blend of quotidian functionality and lovely sensibility. Sally's a native Washingtonian, graduated from Trinity College in Connecticut, and worked for some big hitter DC designers like Lavinia Lemon and Kelly Proxmeyer prior to opening Sally Stepankis Interiors at age 24 in the year 2000. Most importantly, she's a dear friend and really was instrumental in helping me get my business off the ground. And I can't wait to welcome her here today. Hello, Sally. Hi, Liz. Welcome to Behind the Drapery. <laughs> this you. is our very first episode where we explore stories of inspiration and success in the world of interior design. <laughs> it sounds pretty good. <laughs> hey, I'm thrilled today to have my friend Sally Stepankis Roche joining us, a seasoned interior decorator who has been an incredible mentor to many, including myself. So yeah. welcome. This is fun. This is a first for me. And I wanted it to be you because you were so instrumental in my beginning. I don't know if you realize how important you were to me, but you were the friend that literally pulled back the curtain on what you were doing and how you started your business. And I didn't know anything. And I felt like you were really generous in sharing your, not only your resources, but your experience and your time. We had so many fun lunches in the beginning. At the Austin Grill. <laughs> At the Austin Grill in Old Town, which R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> exactly. If only I could go back and have that salad. So good. On repeat. So good. Yes, it was my pleasure. It's an honor to talk to you and I can talk about this stuff all day. And we could talk about things for three hours, so I'll make sure that I contain myself. But before we start it, I'll share here too. It's a special day for us because we go back so far and today is my first daughter's 16th birthday and you were with me <laughs> literally yep. at yep. the hospital. Yep getting yep. poked and prodded before my very fun C-section that day. <laughs> yes, yes. When you had to have your blood taken. Oh, my time. God. It was terrible. It was traumatic. We'll, neither of us will ever forget it. Never. That nurse is no longer working there. <laughs> oh, my God. I think that was scarier than the actual C-section, I have to say, after she stabbed my arm. But yeah. that fun medical news aside, <laughs> I brought you here today. <laughs> To share more of your wisdom, because I can't believe we've been doing this. Well, I've been doing it 20 years. You longer than that. 24 years for you. Is that right? Almost 24. Yeah. Almost 24. Yeah. Well, to kick things off, could you share a bit about your journey in the world of interior decorating and sure. what sparked your interest and how did you realize this was a career path you wanted to pursue? I am so lucky that I have a cousin who used to work for the Fabric House, Robert Allen. Oh. And when I was in college she said oh do you want a summer job at the Robert Allen showroom at the design center when it was at the old building in southwest and I was like yeah sure I would love it you know because I had worked at Laura Ashley home in high school so I really felt like I had some experience oh absolutely <laughs> you do it all girl so I had worked at Laura Ashley in high school my cousin said do you want to work in the memo room of Robert Allen I said okay sure so yeah. I started working there for a summer and like after I don't know, a month or two, I ended up working on the floor instead of back in the memo room and helping clients. And I just sort of took to it like fish to water, if that's the phrase. Oh, yeah. You're um, such a people person. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you could talk to anyone and everyone, right? I, I love that. Exactly. So I would go out and ask, you know, what can I do to help you? And got to know the line well enough that I worked there for, I guess, that summer and then the summer after. And then they offered me a job for right after I graduated college. So I started that's there amazing. and 
was their customer service person. So I had to deal with all the problems, but it was great experience. And I met a ton of designers who I'm still friends with now. Um, and a designer I had met hired me. I started working for her. Her, She's the late Anne Kinkle. So I worked out of her house in Georgetown for two years and learned everything. Literally everything. Everything. She basically was like, hi, you can be my assistant. But I, I felt like I learned enough so that I could then start my business when I was 24. Oh, definitely. Because I had done everything there. She showed me, taught me a lot of stuff, but also just, I think, trusted me and was sort of somebody who had other things on her mind and didn't feel like working all the time or whatever. So I ended up taking on way more than I think an assistant for the who's working for the first time or designer would. So it was like a trial by fire, but I did love it and I enjoyed it. It was a lot harder then than I think it is now starting out as an assistant because I didn't have, we did not have a computer program like design manager. I did not have the internet in her office. Oh my gosh. I wrote so proposals funny. in word. It was horrible. Remember those you know? paper files, the, the, the client yes. files, and they were like six inches deep. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people can resonate with your story. I mean, a lot of us came up that way, right? The memo room, yep. like really yep. working behind the scenes. You hooked yep. me up with an internship when I was starting at yep. Scalamandre too. And, and then really trial by fire. I mean, we were joking before our call that we've raised so many quote unquote baby designers, but it's like mm-hmm. you wear so many hats and. Absolutely. Well, you have to start designers. somewhere. And that's one thing that people always say to me because I like you get a lot of calls from friends and friends of friends or, you know, will you talk to my niece's girlfriend's Mm -hmm. brother and sister-in-law, whatever, uh, to give advice. And I always say you need to work on that side of the business first. The vendor side. Yeah. If you get what's going on in like a wallpaper showroom or a carpet showroom or a fabric showroom, you will be way ahead of the game, you know, and then go work for someone else. Yeah. You really need to yeah, see both. I think that helps. I mean, I started in mm-hmm. that internship you hooked me up with was great and short lived, but I will say working in the furniture stores, their in-house designer, as they called me and placing the orders and then just having that volume of people come through day after day yep. forces you to practice, you know, talking. Yep. And, and then the, office, oh, yeah. you, you, I had no idea. I mean, how could you, the details and paperwork involved mm-hmm. with exactly. the day to day in a design studio decorators office. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why I think you have to start somewhere. So after I worked for Anne for two years, I left on my birthday, um, July July 29th. Nice. 2020. That was my last day with her and started my business that day. I was 24 years old. and Never looked back. Never looked back. (laughs) My dad said, your mother and I will pay your rent for a year while you start your business. Well, that was my timeline. I had a very big first year, actually. And one thing that I have to say is people get, if you need advice, get a good accountant or CPA. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Nobody said, Sally, you need to save this massive amount of money for your... Oh, my gosh. That's one thing I never saw my first boss, Ann, ever do. I mean, never saw her talking about taxes, like Uh. the sales tax. Like, I actually, I, I knew that we... She had to pay it, but I never saw her taking care of it. And I was always stressed out about it because we were always charging sales tax and then mm-hmm. of course, tax and everything else. But I never saw her like really dealing with it. Did her accountant or bookkeeper deal with it? I guess. I guess. Maybe because it's the number. I mean, I with my junior folks, I typically, you know, don't give them access to all of that because I work no. with my accountant, you know, and it's yeah. a lot, you know, now that we log into computer systems to do it, I sound ancient yeah. saying that, you know, the accounting software, oh. we didn't have yeah. that. It's easier to not have access given to everyone in case, you know, God forbid something goes awry. It's just you and your mm-hmm. accountant that could have messed it up or leaked. I don't know. Right. No, that is, I think everyone I know has had some like terrifying tax experience, whether it's income tax, they didn't set aside because when you're working for yourself, yeah. all of us start out as a sole proprietor and that tax mm-hmm. bracket is actually, you pay more than if you spend the money to incorporate yourself, which we all yeah. end up doing probably way too late after we paid yeah. the taxes as a sole proprietor. Well, so that's how you got started. I'm curious now, how would you describe your, I think I know, but how would you describe your personal <laughs> design aesthetic? Your, I oh, love it. I know it well. I would say, I always say updated traditional. Mm-hmm. So like classic lines with lots of color, cheerful, I'm, I don't feel like I'm reinventing the wheel. I don't feel like I'm one of those like artiste decorators. Always, I have a couple of friends who I feel like are artiste decorators. And I always say to them, you guys are artistes. I'm a decorator. I'm a business person. Like I'm a salesperson. Like I'm mm-hmm. a really good salesman. <laughs> and I have yeah. good taste and I'm really organized. So yes, and hard work. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's part of it. So, but I would say my style is like an updated traditional colorful 
happy. Yes. Um, sometimes preppy. I don't like a lot of schlock. I don't like a lot of crap for crap's mm-hmm. sake. It's mm-hmm. pretty clean. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of, I don't like things that are, look overworked or overdone. And I don't like to blend too many patterns and styles. I'm very careful about what I mix. I'm really, really careful. Um, yes. And I never repeat anything. So if I sell, if I sold a fabric in 2000 to someone and it's still current now, I cannot sell it to you. Not uh, even on a pillow or anything? Nothing? Not once? Never. Never a repeat? Never. Ooh, I don't know if I it could be a different happen. colorway. Okay. It could be a different colorway. The other day I had like a small heart attack because I was like, sent to Jenny in my office. I was like, oh my God, this Rogers and Gothic and Shears is this the one that we use for in Bethesda and so-and-so's office. And she and she was like, oh my God. And I was like, oh wait, it was a different colorway. Phew. Like, I really got sweaty about it. Oh my, you like, need oh. to like put that on your website. You know, uh, no pattern fabric repeated. I actually had clients who have said, wait, that's my wallpaper, but Honestly, some clients will see something that was, you know, on Instagram and say, I really mm-hmm. love that wallpaper. I've reused some wallpaper. I know. It's, hard. It's, it's hard. It's hard. I know. I'll say, I know, I know. But that's, you know, that's not really you. Let's find something that's more for you. Because to me, in yeah. my mind and in my little design, design heart, yes. I feel like if I use this wallpaper for my client A, it's hers forever. Mm-hmm. It's her, That's her to me. You know, and I can't yeah. give it to someone else. Oh, I love that. I'm sure yeah. your clients well, appreciate that too. I think so. I mean, I, I I spend so much time and I'm so careful, as I know you are too, to like get things exactly, like really perfect for mm-hmm. clients. Like this is, I, I say to clients, if I'm going to show you these, I show two schemes now. I used to show a lot more. I know. And I say, if you don't love what I'm showing you, it usually works out that somebody just says, okay, I'll take A or B or a little mix of both, which is fine. Um, but I usually, I don't really have people saying, you know, I want 27 more options. And then I feel like I just lost my train of thought. No, anyway. I feel like, <laughs> no, I, when you were speaking, it reminded me, I mean, I think back when I first started, I th- would feel compelled to bring so many choices, like a bag mm-hmm. of fabrics and we'd have a, a working meeting. And I thought I was better at it. If I could say, look at all these different things and they right. all work and I'm moving it around. And I think for some clients, it was actually confusing and they'd say, well, just mm-hmm. tell me what you would do. And it's overwhelming. And I, I think one or two choices is best. And I've also found that if you really, really love a scheme or a plan, yeah. they tend to love it. Cause we've, Oh yes. If it's really singing, it's going to sing for everybody, but yeah. it took me a while to sort of land on that. When you first start, when you first start, you don't have the confidence to say, yeah. here are your two choices. Cause we didn't know that we weren't going to say, I hate it. That's terrible. <laughs> Find more stuff. You know, we wanted to have the other stuff at the ready. Yes. But now I'm like, this is what I really think. I always show my favorite first. I show my favorite first too. And then I was actually this week, I said to a client, I said, this is the mural wallpaper for your foyer. Never used it. It brings in the colors. And they're like, we love it. Could you also bring four others for my husband to think about? And I was like, I said, you know, I, I actually said this to them. I shoot myself in the foot sometimes. And I bring my favorite because I said, I spent a lot of time getting to this one. Yeah, there, there aren't 25 others that work. There's a lot of stuff out there, but there's, you know, right. you're, you're hiring. Way. Yeah, to, yep. you know, narrow down the world of choices mm-hmm. to yep. a couple great ones. And I was like, I don't know. I love this one. And I think you and usually if I love it, it's going to be the most yeah. successful option. Not, you know, just because we're working. We know them. We paid attention to their lifestyle mm-hmm. and spent a lot of time thinking about it. And when you were speaking about, um, you know, you're saying you're not an artiste decorator or designer, but. I think, you know, there's so many misconceptions. I think there's so many folks out there that are working as decorators and designers that aren't super reliable or don't have the business thing down. And I've certainly yeah. inherited clients that have said, they've, then they've showed up kind of worried about or just suspicious about the process or if it's going to yeah. work or if I'm going to flake out. And you and I have been at it for so long. And I, I one of the things people are always sort of, you know, being reliable and, uh, you know, coming mm-hmm. through on everything isn't as universal as I thought. I thought, well, if you're hanging out and taking people's money, you better be Johnny on the spot with everything. And not everyone is like that. So no, not at all. Not at all. I know I've gotten tons of clients. Actually, recently, Laura in my office has, Laura's people has had a client whose former decorator just, I think, sold stuff that he had basically in inventory and convince them and charged an arm and a leg. And I think now they, I feel like they realize what really good personalized service is mm-hmm. and attention and thoughtfulness. And I think that's what I've 
trained everybody in my office to oh, do yes. like that's important for us like that customer service like you get back to people you respect their money you their time yeah and like we have like you said we've been doing this so long we have these systems set up mm-hmm. so there's no question about anything like when a client calls a, a with a prospective client calls or emails we have an info sheet that goes out mm-hmm. that explains sort of like generally how much things cost that you know the rooms on our website that you see are generally in this price range so that you know if it's not if it's too much for them or whatever, just it's good to inform, but also like if it's too much for them, not to embarrass anybody. Absolutely. I don't want to show, go to somebody's house and have them be like, (gasps) so we just bought this house and I have, you know, $10,000 to do the whole thing. I mean, that is a waste of my time and a waste of their time. And I wouldn't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. So we try to separate the men from the boys a little bit with that. Too, it's managing expectations in a major way, because I said the worst is to get in bed together down the road and you bring out your custom window treatment proposal and people have a coronary and they can't possibly, and they're embarrassed if it's beyond what they expected. Yeah, exactly. You're like, yes, I know this dining table will cost what your car costs, but Yes. But people aren't exposed mm-hmm. to that. I and mean, they get catalogs in the mail and they see a pottery barn sofa or a restoration right. room and nobody knows what custom window treatments cost until you go through that process with a designer Absolutely. or decorator. So good to be upfront about the pricing. And I think when I was first starting out, I was a little shy about it because I didn't want to mm-hmm. scare anybody off or heavily filter too much, you know, filter people out. And then it just ends badly. You're right. If people say I only have $10,000 for a room and that's not in the realm of what you're able to do with your custom services, it's so much better Mm -hmm. to say. And another thing that we say now, like we always say to clients, please try to give us a budget. It could be per room or for the whole house. Because if you don't, no matter what we tell you, it's going to be more than you thought. Because if you haven't sort of really narrowed down that number, and I just think it's a fair parameter. Like how we no, like we're not in your bank account. It's none of our business, actually. Right. You decide on the budget. We tell you, you know, in this info sheet that we send out initially, this is how much the rooms on our website are around. Yeah, give them a range so they can decide to opt in or out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was talking to realtor friends. I said, you know, when you're shopping for a house, you have a range. You know, when you're mm-hmm. decorating, you should have some sort of range. And I think people are afraid to give it, give that range a budget as if we're going to spend it all and they want to see what it costs mm-hmm. first. But there's such a, like, houses, range of furniture brands and vendors that it's a waste of everyone's time to come in at the wrong level. If they want it all retail, you know, which we don't typically do, just a different... No, answer. we don't do that. Yeah, we don't do that at all anymore. Not at all. There are some, you know, then I hate turning away some of those projects that might be, you know, that are kind of yeah. graduating. We actually started, we looked into this. Have you heard of Side Door? They like manage all the, it's to the trade products, but they manage the order. You basically can put a collection together for a client and then they take it off your hands and you get your normal kind of designer commission. I like to call it a commission because we are, as you said earlier, we're salespeople. We're the outside sales Mm -hmm. team for all these vendors. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. that could be a whole conversation too about pricing and Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. feel entitled to your quote unquote designer discount when really I, I see it as our sales commission because I'm selling, you're selling multiple sofas Mm -hmm. a month, month after month, year after year, not one sofa every 10 years. I just, you know, people don't go into crate and barrel and say, oh, could you tell me what you got this sofa for? And then let's negotiate. I don't know how our industry got stuck in that other pricing and, you know, selling is, I jokingly call myself a sofa saleswoman because I'm out there (laughs) selling sofas all day. I know. I'm like hawking window treatments and yes. Roman shades and pillows and lamps. <laughs> <laughs> you are a salesperson wrapped in a beautifully yeah. designed uh, bubble. Um, well, that's yeah. all great <laughs> advice, I think, for folks getting started. And I'm curious if we could dig into some of the pivotal moments or mm-hmm. strategies that significantly contributed to the growth of your business. Did you, I mean, I didn't have a plan, I'll be honest. <laughs> Were there any? <laughs> Like pivotal moments or strategies that you feel like, you know, affected your overall growth? Well, I will tell you the some good advice that my dad gave me because he was self-employed as a lobbyist all mm. through my childhood. And so I knew he, I could work for myself because he had worked for himself. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like something I could do. I was not intimidated. But when he said, I'll pay, we'll pay for your rent for a year. He said, you need to make a goal of how much you're going to bill in mm-hmm. hourly time every day. Because I charge by the hour and, you know, start with the retainer and all that. But my dad would be like, you need to say to yourself, this is how much I need to bill. And that's when I started out at $75 an hour. Oh, yeah. We're talking 24 years ago. Yeah. I mean, my rates now probably should be higher. But anyway, 
We so forget to adjust that. Podcast. <laughs> to be continued. Back to that one next year. Um, yeah. But my dad was like, okay, you need to decide how much you need to bill every day and you got to hit that. So it's not like you're, you know, self-employed. You don't have to clock in at some office. Mm-hmm. You need to have something to get up and go do. Like you got to get up and, and advocate and do this work. So that was good advice. And then set a goal. Like I need yeah, X client. I need to talk to mm-hmm. X people and ideally bill this per yes. month to make this annual. Yeah. Yes. And then also when you're trying to get new business before you're really established at all, you have to go out and go to events. Like I would go to so Did many you? parties. Really? That now I'm like, oh God. <laughs> you know, now I've become a hermit after the <laughs> pandemic. But but no, I would go to like every party with like a lot of business cards and wow. talk to people. And because I was like, I gotta sell myself, you know. Unfortunately, I had some initial large clients because of like family friends or whatever who knew what I was yeah. doing and would talk me up and that's great. Yeah. Um so yeah. I would say, yeah. What's that? I said, it's who you know a lot of times. Absolutely. You know, oh, and especially in D.C., I think, because you and I are natives. And I think that there's a lot of work here for a lot. There are a lot of decorators and designers in D.C., but there's a lot of work. I here. think you and so, I both said there's room for everybody. Like, absolutely. that's why when people ask for advice and to meet, it's like, yeah, let's. We have a great group of our crew of decorators yeah. and designers that we're all kind of coming up at the same time. And mm-hmm. we'll get together and share war stories and, you know, ask for advice. I, I love that. I think. I know, do, too. It's like therapy. It is it. like therapy. And, but back then we didn't have, you know, I was thinking. We oh, had each other. It was we, just you and me. I, I'm like, and Austin Grill. And Austin Grill, where it all started. Too bad they're not around. They could be our sponsor, the Austin I Grill. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so true. I think, you know, when I talk to folks that are trying to get into the business, I say, gosh, it's just so different than when we started. There was no Instagram. We had to run back and check our email on the computer. Nothing Mm -hmm. was on our phone. I mean, I still was, you know, the paper files and all of that, but there are some, you know, principles. It is easier now, but I think the principles of how you start and how do you get things going. And like we said, like starting in a memo room or an internship or, you know, working for a designer, obviously, if you can and, and having a, a plan. I actually had a goal of how much to make my first year too. And I hit it. I think if you, you know, you got to think of the sales and. Yeah. You have to make something, a concrete sort of plan and you know write a business plan have a board of advisors kind of thing you know it can be your parents or your husband or your sister whatever whoever is supportive of you that you can talk to about certain things and hopefully find mentors that's always good oh I know what you were asking me about though the I was just gonna trying to remember pivotal moments yes so you and I you and I both it hired as our first assistant. I oh think, well, at least my first assistant. Mine too. The I one. had to, I well, remember I pitched it right? to you. Remember? That's right. Our first her siblings. big shout out to Heather Safferstone. H. A fabulous decorator. Oh my gosh. Yes. In Pennsylvania now, a mom of two. Awesome. We'll have to get came, her on here next, you know? That's right. <laughs> who came Our to name. us with her blue eyeshadow. She'd come from the corporate world. Yes, she did. And she just wanted to get into design and so yeah, you said to me, I need a part-time assistant. You want a part-time assistant. We'll share Heather. I think and I said, I, I can't afford a whole person, but I might be able to afford a half person. And I think I might have, yeah. I think I was newly pregnant at the time too. I was like, it's go time. I need help. Yeah. And yeah. you were so, well, that goes, you know, supporting each other and being collaborative, you know, yeah. going back to there's room for everybody. I mean, we were not competitors and we were sharing mm-hmm. an in-house person. I mean, she knew everything right. about both our businesses. Oh, oh yeah. I honestly, Heather, to give you all the praise, like I, I you must have split your brain in half to have all those Seriously. projects and yep. manage them for, we did that for several years, I feel. Yeah. Like. And amazing. I think that was a pivotal moment for me was hiring somebody because I always thought, oh no, I'll just work by myself. I'll never have employees. Well, now I have four. Yes. And I, I think my business and even my personal work gets better with every person I hire. I did at one point have too many people. Because I felt like then I was managing a lot of personalities and managing their work and not getting to do as much design work, which I adore doing. Mm -hmm. But I now the way that I work is I have these ladies who work for me and do so much of like the background stuff. Mm -hmm. And I can really focus on the sourcing, the design, you know, client, like I go to the client meetings, my assistant, you know, if you hire me, you're not going to get somebody else. You're going to get me, you know, but they do all the back work proposals. 
I think people appreciate so, that too. I, I'm sure you do mm-hmm. too. The first meeting say, I'm your main point of contact. We're going to be yeah. in a relationship. And then here are the folks supporting right. the project right. in this way. And they say, you know, people say, stay in your genius and I and stay in what you're good at. And I mm-hmm. agree with you. Like in the beginning, you've got to do it all. Yes. I'm the but same I'm parent. terrible at like the money stuff. I don't know why I'm oh, saying, yeah, I'm like, I can relate. <laughs> Sorry. No, I haven't written a proposal in oh, no. 17, 17 years or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, Heather came out along oh, yes. and was wonderful for both of us. And so happy that she's an incredible, talented, established designer herself. Now I adore her work. Agreed. And then she came to me full time. Well, actually, after Heather was sort of part time, then I had Laura start part time and mm-hmm. they both came full time. And then, you know, it just grew and grew. And I think. Having the confidence, it's it's a big jump hiring a person and being responsible for their it's financial, scary. you know, what they make every year. It's it's very scary. But I think those leaps are it's a leap of faith. You say, I know that I have this work, I need to do this. And I always feel like the people who come to work for me, it is also my responsibility to educate them because yes. I've never had anybody come with experience except for maybe one or two people. Elizabeth, who still works for me, um, she came from the Cowden showroom where she'd been for a few years. So she had a lot of experience in that way. But I mean, and maybe one of them. But I sort of like to people to come in and I teach them my way. Mm-hmm. Or now when people come, everybody else teaches them my way. <laughs> and, um, but I like to say, okay, I, I mean, this is not like a, let me just tell you, how we're going to do things. This is why we're going to do things and ask questions. And, you know, a lot of like furniture styles are in French or I have a classical background. And so a lot of architectural things that I reference may not be what everybody else knows. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I like, I think that's a huge, that's a, that's my responsibility as well. We, we talk about raising baby designers and I think, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the best way to get started. If you can convince someone to have you as an intern and just really get into the mix of the daily routine and Mm -hmm. your folks are lucky to have you really mentor them. I mentor mine too. They really become part of the family because it's so such an intense experience working with clients and installing things and the ups and downs and putting out fires. Absolutely, I I stay close to all, you know, or in contact with people that have been with me for years too. It's, it's it's a small business, you know, it's not like a corporate Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, there aren't a hundred of us, you know. And actually now have, no, and there are actually only three of us in DC. Now, two of my employees are remote, one in Weevil, and Elizabeth is in Florida. So oh, amazing, lucky her. And it works out well. And, you know, they're actually coming up for our holiday party for the Yay. second year in a row and come and stay. And we all, and then we go around to all of our projects that they've been oh. working on. Like, see everything and we have a big fancy couple dinners and stuff like I that. I love so. that. That's so great. And building that community and, and mm-hmm. team around that. And, and especially and our clients work. meeting them, you know, oh, some oh, of right. these clients have never met Kimmy right. in Louisville. who has been <laughs> with me now, I think a year. So I'll be like, here's Kimmy. She's the one who's been <laughs> in the flesh bills or, you know, proposals <laughs> or whatever and scheduling your deliveries and all that stuff. And so it is really nice for people to put a face to a name and, and all that. And it's, it's a nice team building thing that we do. Oh, all together good. we love being together <laughs> i mean it's so fun i i actually have my people are remote now too which i think is uh, more accepted now post pandemic i used to feel mm-hmm. like i'd have all my people in person and sort of legitimize the office i've made it kind of thing mm-hmm. i prefer working remotely because i i talk so much and when people are around me i, I chat you can only imagine right and don't get the work done <laughs> and if they're remote we can have a zoom and then we're like all right we're calling it now yeah. go to your desk yeah. and and we'll get our stuff done but I think, would you say um, most of your uh, junior designers went off to like Heather and start her own successful mm-hmm. business? I feel mm-hmm. like most yeah. of mine have too. And it's it yeah. makes me feel really proud that they were able Very to Very successful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to learn a lot and yeah, and go on and start their businesses. And and I don't know how, you know, everybody runs their businesses. I, I use Design Manager as a software and always, mm-hmm. always have. since Forever. Forever. Like that, I actually did buy Design Manager as soon as I started in 2000. I mean, before that, like I said, everything was like for documents with my old boss. And that was, that made me very uncomfortable because you never really knew how much money there was, you know? And so this just keeps such good track of so many things. So I don't know if everybody who's worked for me is using the same platform, but so not to say they have to do everything I've done, but like just to learn a system that does work. And then if they go up on their own, they can tailor it to how they want to. 
I think that's really important to organizing yourself because of the, like you said, the sales tax that sneak up on you having, I use design manager too. Now we're on house pro. A lot of people like my Doma or studio. I haven't um, looked at those, but I would be lost without, it, especially as you build a, a larger client base, it's just impossible to keep track of on paper. Um, Absolutely. I think back on how I used to have a legal pad with I'd every Monday, I'd write out the client's project names and like the to-do items, which feels so archaic. And now we've got mm -hmm. digitized and you can tag people and they respond. And it's oh, like, yeah. I feel like I a know. grandma. I'm like, you should have seen my legal pads back in the day, you know? Well, it's funny because we, machine. oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> we don't faxes. even have a fax line anymore. I we mean, got rid of the fax line. What's the point? Everything is um, faxed. Yeah. Oh my God. Everything. It's ridiculous. No, everything is online now. It's so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. Because it does save so much time. It does and save clients, time. And clients can pay. I mean, this sounds crass to say, but clients can pay so much faster now because. <laughs> what is a business? <laughs> yeah. You get a proposal in email, you can click and say, oh. I want to pay with a credit card or a ACH bank draft or whatever. You can just do that. You know, it used to be I would like print out a design manager proposal, put it in the U.S. mail. <laughs> put a, you know, Obviously, put it on it. a pony. <laughs> put it, yeah, I know. Like give it to a carrier pigeon. And a then like pigeon. two weeks later, you would receive a check for <laughs> whatever. And then you'd have to drive it to the bank, oh <laughs> deposit it. So I mean, really, true. It's like the wild, wild <laughs> We sound like we're 104 on our rockers. Back with the mail. It literally yeah. forever, and it's it slowed the process down uh, considerably. I mean, yeah. weeks. I had I remember we had like a pile of checks, and we had a stamp. They would say four oh, yeah. only, dunk junk, and we would <laughs> somebody would drive to the bank, and it was like okay, now we start ordering. It's like it would take. Yes. Although that process took forever, now the actual furniture making post pandemic takes longer mm -hmm. than the. I mean, yeah. we used to get furniture and stuff in four to six weeks, and now it's yeah four to eight months. I mean, I don't know if that'll yeah. Be to the good old days. I think they're working hard on it. I think a lot of companies are getting there, getting okay. there, but you know, it's crazy. Brutal. But I think a lot of people, at least in, this is a total segue, but, and a lot of people in like the furniture building arena, like in North Carolina, all those like older, mostly yeah. gentlemen, I think who are building the furniture and all that bench made stuff, like they're aging out, they're retiring. And I think sure. finding new younger people to apprentice Mm -hmm. A lot of this generation doesn't want to work with their hands. They don't yeah. want to do that kind of work. It's a problem. Um, so I think to that's be a big problem. Yeah. I've talked to my workroom about that. Trying, She's trying to build sort of an apprenticeship program to, for that reason, exactly. Nobody is, oh. you know, seamstresses mm -hmm. are not as commonplace as they used to no. be. Mm -mm. And you really need to train people to do it. I think, especially with those furniture makers, I remember talking to one vendor mid pandemic and was like, please, can you just crank out this sofa? And they said, you know, we are not going to risk our warranty. We have a brand and a history of furniture mm -hmm. making, and you can't just grab people off the street to throw these things together. Yeah. And it takes yeah. years to really train someone how to hand tie the springs and build the frames properly. Yeah. So the last thing they wanted to do was pump out a garbage sofa and then be responsible for it, obviously. under Absolutely. Them. And then when I sort of thought about it from their perspective and not just in the heat of pleasing my client, I was like, oh, yeah. And it is a larger issue of people would rather. I was at my dry cleaner last week and she said she can't find anyone to work at their locations because people would rather drive around and deliver packages or mm -hmm. Instacart. Or drive an Uber. Or yeah, or an yeah. Uber because they can make their own schedule and you know, not stand in a hot, sweaty dry cleaners. I thought, wow. So that level of like, you know, worker bees is um, becoming harder to find. Totally exactly. segue, but. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But it is a problem for our business, you know, yeah. for our industry. Because things are um, handmade, hand sewn. Yeah. It, it is, mm -hmm. maybe they can rebrand it for folks as, you know, and romanticize it a bit of, you know. know. Well, it's interesting when Mitchell Gold shuttered so yeah. suddenly, all those people were out of a job Real fast, had Real no fast. idea. They were not given any sort of warning. And I saw a post from a friend of mine who is a rep for Wesley Hall, I think. And she wrote to those, you know, people who worked in the factories of Mitchell Gold, like, reach out to Wesley Hall. We are, we, we have, wow. we, we work you. Yeah. Which I thought was incredibly generous. Yeah. I'm and surprised people more haven't shut down given just, you know, the fast furniture, fast fashion. People mm -hmm. want stuff, Amazon lickety split, and it's impossible. 
So yeah, our, our, our normal custom lead times now seem even more ridiculously long to them. And I said to somebody yesterday, she had inherited a bunch of furniture. She's like, is this like so worth doing? Is this old lady stuff? Should I not have this recovered? Should I get new? And I said, first of all, this stuff is better made right. than anything you can get today. It is faster to have it locally upholstered and less expensive. You don't have to pay crazy freight. You know, so I was like, honestly, these are beautiful silhouettes. These are beautiful pieces of furniture. Even if you need to have the springs replaced or mm-hmm. chain, take a skirt off and put feet on it, whatever. I think if it's good quality stuff, you can recover it. And now I think, and sustainability, I think people now, mm-hmm. it's definitely the younger generation. And I think in ours and older are starting to pay more attention to it, you know, recovering something instead of throwing it in the waste. Yeah. Just chucking it or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Same with fabric like, samples and all of that, yeah. you know, trying yeah. to reduce some of the waste in our industry, which there's a lot, I hate to admit. Um, I know. And, and samples are very expensive to make and ship. Right. And then the packaging, like we got a memo the other day that was wrapped <laughs> like it was a gift I from know. like We Three Kings. I was like, They're what so is beautiful. this? I know. It's, I, I was like, gosh. I feel I like you guys are spending so much money on your packaging. Yes. Like, oh my God. The but. tissue paper and the ribbon. I was like, I'm afraid to undo it. Like, it just looks too perfect. And here I am, like, throwing it on the desk for my people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you're, like, ripping open these, like, fancy envelopes. And I'm like, my goodness, you know. I know. It does feel like an art piece of art. Yeah. Um, well, just we thinking, digress. <laughs> we digress. See, we could talk for three hours, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I haven't thought a ton about sustainability or eco-friendly stuff. I know that uh-huh. green design is a hot topic, but I'll admit we haven't been asked to do much of that. But um, I but I, now I'm thinking, is there a particular story about a project or a client that was particularly rewarding um, for you per- personally Ooh. or professionally? I mean, thinking back over the years, does one stand out as like in your heart forever and super mm. special? I have so many. So oh, well, that's great. I mean, I have to say so much of our business is repeat. You know, I, I'm on the third house for certain clients, oh, you know, great. Yeah. known forever. I've been working on, actually, I'm about to really get going on a client who this will be her second house that I'm doing for her. Um, I did her first house in Chevy Chase about 10 years ago, did her sister's house at the same time. Aww. And then her mom hired me to do oh my gosh. it. Oh my It was really funny. All the family. Not showing the same samples to the same oh. people or anything like that. But <laughs> um, wonderful family. Anyway, this girl is uh, this young lady. I, she's wonderful. I love working with her and her husband's a doll, and they have two boys. Aww. Anyway, they just hired me, you know, this past year to start on a big renovation, actually, of her family house that she grew up in, her parents' house that I did oh work on before. Big renovation. Anyway. We knew we were going to do that together. But during the pandemic, she wrote me and said, I just want you to know how much we love our home. I know you did it. You know, at that time, she was like, it was seven, eight years ago. She said, we are so happy here. We don't mind being stuck in our house in the pandemic Aww. because we love where we live. We love everything you did. And it's really saved us. And I was like, that meant more to me than yes. I can tell you. Um, totally. just, I mean, I could cry. It made, And Aww. she's such a wonderful person. And then to get to do another project with her. And, and her family home. I mean, that's really exciting. It's an honor. It really yeah. is. I mean, we, yeah. you're in people's lives, their day-to-day mm-hmm. lives. And to it's so wonderful they gave you that feedback because I think we don't always get the feedback and we put right. it together and then we leave. We don't get to spend time in our work. Um, yeah. That's that's really special. And it's re- so rewarding, right? And you feel like, yes, yeah. I'm doing what this I do. This is why I do this. Yes. Yes. This yes. is why I do this. I... I am a people pleaser, but I love making people happy. And I try to do everything I can to do that. You know, it's hard in this business where, where, I mean, this is another podcast topic of when there's so many hands touching every single thing because everything pretty much is made by hand. And so there are a lot of mistakes in the business overall in the industry. And it can be really tricky and upsetting and ups and downs. So this makes every little small sad or bummer so worth it. I mean, that's so just it. about the nicest compliment I could ever get. I'll say. I, I've gotten a few notes like that that I will, I just save those and pull them out on the days you're ready to pull your hair out, you know, when things out of your control, like you said, uh-huh. so hands and so many cooks in the kitchen. Right. Mind myself. Okay. It's, I will take care of them and it it will make their lives happier and better. Yes. They're living in a space like this that they feel proud of and, mm-hmm. you know, represents mm-hmm. their exactly. story. 
Um, yes. And their children are comfortable and happy and feel like they can go in every room and, you know, yes. but it still looks good for the parties and all that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. But yeah, repeat business is incredible and a very, very big part of my business. Very big. Yes. I mean, when you're starting out, you don't know who they're going to be and you have to kind of take everyone that comes along. I feel like, you know, cause you're again, trying to hit your goals and, and, Yep. traction going. It's the dream scenario when you have like your uh, love connection clients and can filter down to just those, I call it cherry yep. picking, you know, just to mm-hmm. have those repeat clients that they know the process, they know you, they trust you, they're happy, yep. they know what things cost. Yep. You're not having to re-educate them at every turn. That's the dream. And you scenario. know them, you know what they love, you yes. know how they want it to be, you know how they like communicating, you know, yes. um, stuff like that. No, it's incredible. It really is. And like you say about cherry picking, I mean, that, as you said, too, to your point, when we first started, we had to take every job. Yeah. And now I do not take every job. No. You know, I take only certain size jobs. Mm -hmm. And I only, this is my parameter. I, if I talk to people on the phone and I feel like I want to have a glass of wine with them, I will go meet them. (laughs) And then if I still have that feeling, I will work with them. And it's, they're picking me as much as I'm picking them because we're spending a lot of time together. It's and if I don't love somebody, yeah, if you don't, if you don't hit it off, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person or they're whatever. They're just not, it's not always a good fit. I you used know? to think I had to try to land everyone. Like I needed, you know, to, I'm a people pleaser. Make everybody so, like you. Yeah. Make everyone like me and I'm going to oh do whatever and break my back, bend, you know, twist mm-hmm. myself in a pretzel to get it the way they want it. And I, you know, as you mentioned earlier, like developing the confidence around your abilities and the confidence to say, okay here are my boundaries here. You know, or if it's yes. not a good fit, I think it's hard to walk away because you're like, oh, I could do this. You know, but yeah. there's flags in the beginning. If you don't have that chemistry yeah. or you don't have that glass of wine with them, you know, it mm-hmm. it's hard when things inevitably, you know, things go sideways. Yes. I tell clients now, I think the beginning I was afraid to say there might be a problem, you know, because I wanted everything to be perfect and not have a hiccup, but we right. can't control every aspect of of the supply chain or the project or the installation. And I just say, look, if, if things just know that I've got your back and you're not out on mm-hmm. your own, if you know, right. if something comes in wrong or, um, and just address exactly. that up front. Yeah. Exactly. But I feel that's comfortable doing that in the beginning for obvious reasons, you know? No, yeah. no, for sure. And still, I, once in a while, I think my, I mean, I think I go with my gut and most of the time I'm good. Once in a while I get bamboozled and <laughs> you know, because if somebody will refer someone and I love the someone who did the referring, but then in the end, the client was probably not my mm-hmm. exact cup of tea, but still did my best and, you know, worked my hardest. But I also respect people's money too much to just take any job because if I don't click with somebody, probably not as interested. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody just, a friend of mine just hired me yesterday and I am so excited about this project. <laughs> yeah, I was late. I I was like late to something uh, cocktails last night because I was like, no, I, can't. I just want to keep working on this. Oh, like, that's I, the dream when you get in the flow, right? I did. Yes, yes. I was like I'm so excited to work on this project. Not just because my friend and I love her and I love her taste. I love her house. Yeah. Oh my gosh! But I I just congrats on that. That's amazing. Thank you. Very and, high, exciting. And colorful. <laughs> It'll turn out great too, because when you're that excited and you bring that much enthusiasm, I found that when I've tried to force myself with clients or maybe not quite my aesthetic and I was like, well, I can do this. I can do primary Mm -hmm. colors in very traditional shapes. And then, uh, you know. Yeah. You're like, I don't really feel great about this. I'm not feeling like I know what I'm doing here. Yeah. And I think think it takes a lot to sort of figure out your niche and your aesthetic. Mm And Mm -hmm. I remember I lost a job one time because someone said, oh, well, this is all about pattern and color. And at the time I was like, huh, is that a bad thing? Is that going to turn people off? And I thought, well, huh. I kind of need to own my lane. I That's what I do like a lot of pattern and color. I yeah, mean, so if, if Anyway, I guess you can self-select out, but well, that's the your niche, you know? Yeah, well, that's to your point before you were like, you know, there's plenty of work for all of us. Like, yes. Your perfect client may not be my perfect client, may not be, you know, somebody down the street's perfect client. Right. All different and every client's different. You kind of have to relax in that and, and come from a place of abundance instead of scarcity. You know, like mm-hmm. it's a big city. It's a big world. It's there's room for everybody. Um, for, sure. for sure. In fact, it's funny in this. I mean, we've all I'm, I know in our little crew have all probably had a couple overlap clients that because oh, clients probably, shop around yeah. too. they want to try oh, yeah, one for a different house. And, sure. you know, um, well, that's the thing is that like sometimes clients come in like I've had team members you know, start a project with somebody and then they'll move on to do something else. And I'll end up 
taking on a project that I'm like, I wouldn't have taken this project, you know, now I'm stuck doing this project and it's not a good fit, stuff like that. So it's tricky, but you know, do you try to get out of those feelings. projects or do you sort of see them through? It depends. Mm-hmm. It depends. I, I think if I can, I try to see them through, but I've had a few where I'm just like, the client is just not my person. You know, I think either in the way we can, they communicate or just, they weren't my, they weren't my people. people. <laughs> yeah. How do how do you handle those kind of challenges or or like disagreements with clients? Um, do you do you try to find a middle ground or is there like a deal breaker for you? Like if they cross a certain line, you know, you've oh, tried, well, tried and tried. I mean, being yeah. Obvious, I, I mean, know. I'll say that I've I've said to people like, you know, I really think we've tried, and I don't really think this is a great fit anymore. I don't think we should be working together anymore. I appreciate your business, but I respect you and your money, and I don't think this is as successful as we wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it happens. I mean, it's no hard feelings. No hard feelings. I I found that the retainer structure too sort of helps with that because you bill and you know we've talked about this for years, but bill in chunks of hours. And then when you come to the end, you can pull up and say, okay, it's a natural stopping point. Say, what do you want to do next, or do we not want to work together anymore? If that's right, right, right. Are you going to continue? Are you done? Like, yeah. Opposed to being open ended and hourly forever, I right. will only do hourly at the very end, and I still it still Mm -hmm. gets dicey sometimes, and I feel like that opens up. Oh, let me, you know, scour your timesheets. Not that they're incorrect or need to, you know, can't be defended. It's just, I don't know. I don't love that part. It's like, we've done all this for you. Let's not. um, Yeah. You want to go out strong. You want to go out strong. That's a whole other podcast topic too. Like retainer, Mm -hmm. hourly billing. Absolutely. That's a big, and I, I think you should do a panel of people about that because apparently everybody is flat fee and I wouldn't do a flat fee if you paid me a flat fee. (laughs) No. I don't know how you do it. I, you know, actually at High Point last year, they did a, someone who wrote a book on and researched all these designers and decorators across the country and polled everyone in, in terms of how much they made and build. And they said, if you do the flat fee, this particular research showed that you're leaving 50% of income on the table or something like mm-hmm. that. I just don't, projects are so different. The hourly is so different. Some people decide immediately, love your first design, let's roll. And the other, you're like, you know, revising, revising and that's probably exactly. a sign of things going not so well anyway. Well, sometimes, but it's hard. That's a, you know, and then the other thing is trading um, hours for dollars. Just the concept of, you know, starting out, I feel like, all right, I was new and I was learning and hours for dollars. But now, you know, I can do things and you can do things much more quickly that like I can oh, yeah. do what I took me six hours in an hour now. So I still just billing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not billing six yeah, times. But you're making then. No, yeah. you're not. Yeah. But you are making more. You know, and you're selling probably more high end stuff. Yes, that's true. And more of it. I think that's why you need both. I mean, I look at my numbers and it's, you know, some years it's 50 50, or sometimes Mm -hmm. it's the furniture sales are 75 and the time is, you know, the remainder 25. (laughs) Right, right, right. Math is my strong suit. I'm kidding. I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) I had to think for a minute. No, I'm kidding. I can do basic math, but we do have those platforms. (laughs) I haven't done basic math with my clients in a while. No, I'm kidding. Challenges and breaking up with clients, not yeah, a fun it thing. It happens. It happens. It happens, you know. And also, like, I, I don't think, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to remember if you've had this. I don't feel like I've had situations where I've had to fire employees either. I've been really lucky. Like, that's a terrible yeah. thing to have to deal with, especially because you become this, like, close-knit family. So Definitely. No, I haven't really had to hard. fire anyone. I, yeah. People usually move on, you know, because exactly. our, our young juniors are typically in their 20s and their next stage mm-hmm. of lives often bring them marriage and children. Yeah. Moving cities moving. or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it hard. seems to happen more naturally, I think, but yeah, I'm so lucky because Laura's been with me probably... 14 years, 15 years, That's and amazing. 10, I think, or more. I remember when that first started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I know. It's crazy. I mean, that's right. Like Laura started out as a part-time assistant and now she's a senior designer, brings in her own project. Amazing. As her own assist. Like one of my remote people is pretty much, I mean, primarily dedicated to her, but obviously does like that too. Well, and that's another way to go too. I mean, I have the project manager, junior designers working for me. She says, I, I tried to go out on my own for a minute. I really prefer working with you under your umbrella as a team. You know, it's not for everyone. Cause like we're saying, it's, it's a lot of stress owning the business and providing for your team and making sure you mm-hmm. take on enough clients. I mean, I've done that too, where I've expanded. And then I feel like I'm just you know, trying to find work for every, to feed everybody and yes. not doing yes. as much of the creative 
piece yes. that I enjoy the most. You really yes. have to kind of explore that. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's a little trial and error on that. At least it was for me. Um, yeah. I felt the same way when I had too many people. And now I think um, we're at just the right, just the right exactly. number of people. I mean, we could use, I mean, here and there we get really busy. I mean, I think everybody in our industry is pretty busy these days, but um, once in a while I'm like, oh my gosh, because I'm, I'm trying to be like, I'm not the one who's going to drop off the lamp. I'm trying not to do that. You know, <laughs> you used to roll around with the lamps uh, and like, remember you had the 24 pack of waters in your trunk and you were, mm-hmm. on, you were on the road getting salmon. You were very hands on, not that you're not now, but I mean, literally with the lamps and the shades and the samples. I remember those days. Yep. You know, schlepping carpet samples around. That's fine. But like, I just feel like yes. I'm trying not to do a lot of the like drop offs anymore. Yes. Um, unless it makes sense. Unless, you know, well, that's a good segue too into how to maintain a healthy work-life balance in an industry that can be so demanding and working for yourself, juggling personal life and family. I mean, mm-hmm. you're juggling the most adorable family and a very <laughs> big business. How is that? I mean, you're on your own for a while and then transitioned. How Do you think about work-life balance or are you just sort of, does it come naturally? Is it, you know, how's it been I for you? I think it does. I think it does come naturally. I actually always wanted to be a mom, always, always, always my whole life. And I am lucky that it happened. Um, so I feel like one of the reasons I also chose this profession and to work for myself is that I wanted to be able to be flexible when I became a mom. So even though I only had six weeks of maternity leave because I had to get back to work, <laughs> That's the I don't work, fr- like I don't really work Friday afternoons. Mm-hmm. I work like nine to five. Mm-hmm. I work out twice a week during those times, you know, good. I don't see clients on the weekend unless they've got a huge check that they don't want to put in the mail or want to <laughs> feed me wine. And it's the only time they can meet, you know, once in a while, yeah, once in a but while. Like, I don't work in the evening. I, but again, I've set these boundaries. I do not give out my cell phone number to clients. A lot of my clients who started as friends and have hired me have my sure. cell phone, obviously, but would never abuse that. I just don't give out that number because I don't need to, if you're thinking about the stuff that we've talked about or whatever on a Saturday afternoon, like you don't need to send me that, your thoughts on a text. (laughs) You can send them in an email. I guarantee I'll get them just as fast, but then I, but I feel like if it's an email, I sort of can choose or not choose to look at an email or not. Absolutely. I feel like is an attack sometimes. Like I feel very put upon. It feels very urgent. We talk about that in over here too, because again, when we started, really no texting, right? Nobody was texting. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. People, mm-hmm. clients are at home. They're like, oh, now I have time to think about my house and I'm looking at it. I'm mm-hmm. going to tell Liz right now what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. You can tell a lot about <laughs> the clients that feel that they need to tell you it's Sunday at 10 a.m. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about it then, but please, you know, we now actually, and I don't, it's hard. So you don't want to sound like you don't want to communicate, but Right. We say text messages are urgent. Like there's a contractor at the door or a delivery is yes. happening, you know, in the work day, if you yes. need my answer right now, otherwise, please form an email and we will get, yeah. and also I can copy my team because, you know, and well, you can't, the, that's the thing. I also can't keep track of texts that way. I don't feel like it's not as easy to look back. And so mm. I've had a couple of clients who will text over the weekend and I don't respond. And on Monday I'll send an email that I got your text. Thank yes. you. I understand the information, you know, what you were thinking about in future, please don't use text as a form of communication unless it's I'm running late or there's a painter here and I don't know yeah. what to tell, you know, or that immediate, kind of like I need an immediate answer urgent. here because it's happening in the moment. Right. The texts right. feel urgent to me too. When you say it feels like an attack, especially during, yeah. I don't know, I feel like it really peaked in those pandemic times, I guess, as we were all at home and freaking out yeah. anyway. And I was getting so many texts. I was like, oh, I just never, mm-hmm. they were a project. I don't know. I guess we all just thought, sort of lost our marbles then and uh, had to regain well, some balance. Yeah. I feel like you can never relax if you're yeah. always sort of like on call. It's sort of interesting. But so I feel like I balance stuff pretty well. I mean, uh, I, you know, when I first started, yes, I would work on the, in the evenings or I would go see clients on the weekend or whatever. And I mean, now I'll see people, I would rather come, to somebody's house at 6 a.m., which mm-hmm. I have done. I've been <laughs> in people's houses at You're like dark. the wallpaper installer knock, coming knock. at 6 a.m. <laughs> Here I am, decorator calling. Um, yeah. uh, I would rather do that on a weekday than anything else. So we can always, if, listen, if somebody can stay home for the cable guy for an hour, they can oh my stay gosh. home for me. I use the same examples. Like if you can <laughs> for a four-hour window, please, you know, give me that. Exactly. 
Exactly. I, I agree with you. And I do a similar thing. I think it's so smart in the beginning. I mean, we're all starting out, you're hungry or you're willing, and you're not maybe as busy person in your personal life and you yeah. have evenings, but it is yeah. so critical to set those boundaries. Um, you know, especially weekends and evenings. It's just, mm-hmm. um, as I joke with my drapery workroom partner, it's not open heart surgery. It's not a life or death situation. It's important and it's money invested, but it's not, you don't have to pull me yeah. out of dinner on Saturday night to be like, you know that wallpaper we talked about? Right, right. <laughs> but I exactly. think it's hard because everybody's texting and it feels casual and I don't think people are being malicious. And friendly. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, no, friendly. no. Yeah. They just, and I think it's just people's default now, like you're saying, yes. and they just do that and yeah, so you don't want to say like, oh, they did that, but like also, because I also, re- the way I file emails and information mm-hmm. from clients is very specific and I just can't keep track of things you have a as system. well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. But as far as like the balance, I mean, sometimes I feel like I should be, as a mom, like, am I am I 100%, is my brain 100% here? Is, when I'm home, is it 100% with my daughter? I think when I'm at work, I am 100% here. And I think I'm when I'm home, I am like 75% there. Oh. Because I always, because I, I love what I do, honestly. Yes. So I do think about it a lot. Yes. I do try to turn off my phone or, and I don't go on my laptop. Like I don't work in the evenings and stuff like that anymore. So I try to be more present in that way. And I think it's better for my daughter. It's better for me. You Definitely. Know, better you need to, yeah. Even when you love you what you break. do, you need to, yeah, shut it off. You need a break. Yeah. yeah. Although I, I think when I'm driving in the shower, sometimes I'm like, oh, and I'm like in the in the room and I'm moving yes. stuff around in my brain. And yeah, sort of that like free flow is, but when, you know, sometimes better ideas come than when I'm sitting at my desk trying to force it. For sure. One question I had for you too is I, you're always good. I remember going to classes and continuing your learning and professional development. I feel like you have a, you said a background in the classics. Can you discuss the importance of this continual learning and professional development in your field? Or are there any like continuing ed areas that you focus on? Well, I think it's fairly casual what I do. I think a lot of it's more like social mm-hmm. stuff. Like I belong to the ladies club and they have a lot of lectures of designers or you know sometimes I go to business lectures stuff like that and I think a lot of it is just to be re-inspired to be honest Mm -hmm. I think um, it's helpful to see what other people are doing and how people are excited about their work and that just sort of gets me thinking about things sometimes in a different way I did not go to design school like yourself I've taken some classes but you know and I don't do CAD and someone Jenny in my office is great at it and she does it so some, and I have taken a cat class. We're like, and I will never take it again. And I was like, boy, that blue. <laughs> Hate that. <laughs> we have our strengths, Sally. We just have to That's stay right. in our area of strength. I know. I can hand draw. I mean, I can draw a floor plan by oh, hand, yeah. which is just tedious, but I could do it. Um, I mean, we're joking, but yeah. I think it's key to like, you know, delegate those things. We do not have oh, yeah. it all. If you're the owner and the principal yeah. designer, decorator, right. You do not need to do every drawing. <laughs> no. And I'm not good at that stuff too. Yeah. So I just do a sketch and say, this is what I want you to draw do it i'm trying to think if i've done any like other continuing education stuff i feel like the design center used to have more offerings like that when you would go and hear people talk or whatever i try to be pretty open with new vendors or people wanting to come see us and stuff like that it's hard just being so busy but yeah you know i am sometimes seeing just the new collections like tout and tout specifically at the washington design center they always let me come when their when their showroom staff is trained on all the new things because I buy so much from them oh, really? and I love their stuff so I'm they're like you're part of our team just come and well that's cute so I like to go and see that stuff for the first time you oh know. wow insider insider access there insider. yeah yeah Your they're fame. very generous very generous oh. I love them but I don't know of anything else I'm doing right now I mean I try to stay on top of the magazines and things like that and listen to podcasts honestly like I listen to business of home oh yeah pretty pretty dedicated to that um they have a and, lot of topics really helpful and the magazine i feel the publication itself is <gasps> fabulous i get a lot of good insight there yeah from them yeah i love being a boh insider getting all those emails it's just really interesting to read don't you feel like I, now like yeah. we used to be in such a vacuum i mean i remember when we were younger and starting out and we would try to i would feel so inspired actually when i get out of my office and go in to see things yes. like you said or go listen yes. to something and I feel like now, and we'd had, you know, a monthly magazine that would come out from three places. And now the content mm-hmm. is just whew, at us on Instagram and everywhere and yes. constant. And you're seeing everybody's yes. work all the time. It is definitely more inspiring to see more, you mm-hmm. know, fresh content of other people's work. But I also feel like on Instagram, I do our, my, our social media myself and I 
really don't post probably enough because I don't find the time to do it. <laughs> but I, so when I'm on there, I'm like, oh my God, I have got to do this more. I've got to do this more. But I don't want it to be like inauthentic and like over yeah. post and stuff like that. So I just you try to, to do it when I'm actually required to do it. And be in your voice. I do mine too. I know. Yeah. And a lot of people ask me if I have a service doing it. And you know, I said, no, it's it's me. I've just, You're very good. Oh, thanks. I've just been sure. playing around with it and I enjoy it. I, I like to do it first thing in the morning when I've had my coffee and I'm kind of, I don't know, I guess I'm a frustrated little real maker, movie maker. <laughs> uh-huh. That's the thing is that like, I don't, I don't, can't seem to find the time to like do those things. Work it in. Yeah. But, it is yeah. time consuming. That's true. No, you can tell when people have farmed it out or if it's in their own voice, I think. Right. Right. And I think that's important because I don't want, I don't, I want people to get the authentic feeling of me. Well, I actually think it was sort of an unexpected effect of Instagram is that back in the day, we had a static website with our portfolio Mm -hmm. and people could Mm -hmm. view those. But with the Instagram posts, I'm able to show more things in progress and myself talking. Mm -hmm. And then the clients that come from that have already sort of self-selected that they like my personality and my style yes. and things. I mean, you know, I'm not for everybody, obviously. Well, um, yeah, sure. I feel like those matches are are better than just the cold calls from a website because they've mm-hmm. gotten to know my personality better. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. You know, more for casual sure. and had an, and sort of a glimpse of what it's like to work together in stories. Yes. Or I think a lot of people are intimidated to call and say, not to me, but just in general, to hire a professional What's it like? You know, do I have say and choice and what you're showing? Yes. Yeah, it's a very weird industry to sort of like try to get like hire somebody, you know, like, yeah, people are very intimidated. They think I think a lot of designers have a bad rap. They think that they're going to we're going to take your money and yes. run and like move to the Bahamas or you know, <laughs> I mean, as if I know. I would love to. But no. <laughs> I know I'd love to. But no, oh, yeah. I'm a people pleaser and I'm too honest and I will never. <laughs> oh, yeah. Could never. Could never. Could never. You know? But people do that. And like, you know, like you were saying, a lot of people expect your designer to be like flaky and not show up and do that. And so I do think it's extra important to sort of stand by your work and do what you say you're going to do. And A collaboration and excellent service truly go a long way in this business. Mm-hmm. I guess my last question for you would be, what really drives and motivates you to continue thriving in this industry? I think you've touched on it, but what keeps you going? I really just get so much joy out of helping people. I love meeting clients, seeing how they live, new new ones. I mean, old clients, I know how they live, but <laughs> seeing how people live, asking them things that they've never thought about so yes. that I can hone in and get just the right stuff for them. I just, I used to say this phrase I'm about to say, and I haven't said this, I haven't thought about this in a long time or I haven't verbalized it in a long time, but I do sort of fall in love with clients Aww. and I'm very passionate and, you know, I just, find these people and I like them so much and I get so excited and I know I know you're gonna like this you know and it's just a real oh. joy and and, joy, so. and seeing them be happy with your work is like mm-hmm. the ultimate right reward absolutely like absolutely. that note you received from the family right the mother daughter oh. sister so nice oh. so nice I also have a client right now who I've done most of her house and her dining room was done but it's a long story but we're yeah. getting her some some new dining chairs. They're actually antique, but um, that I got on Cherish, which is also wonderful for sustainability. I love to sell stuff on Cherish if I ton them there. And I sent her an email and I was like, actually, long story short, other clients want dining chairs that look just like hers because they saw her dining room on my website. Oh, you can't repeat. I thought you can't repeat. (laughs) Well, it was, it wasn't the fabric. It was the chairs themselves. And, and I said, and I hadn't bought her those, my client, those chairs. Oh. oh, oh, oh! So I called her and said, "Do you know where those are from?" And she said, "Oh, I don't love these." I was like, "Well, can I buy them from you?" My client would like them, so she's like, "This is the best Christmas present I've ever gotten. That you are buying these chairs from me, selling them to your client, oh. and then I get to get new chairs." She's Amazing. so excited. And then Laura actually found host and hostess chairs on the floor at Cravat, like insane deep discount. Get out. They're perfect. So we're recovering everything. She's just like. This is so exciting. We're so out of the blue. She's like, I just really <laughs> love these chairs. Your client loves them. Yes, I would love to sell them to her. So I win, win. I really want. Oh and I was like, that never crazy. happens. That's amazing. I'm just a dream maker, Liz. Okay. You are just <laughs> making dreams come true on the regular. Sally Stepankis Roche. 
<laughs> so that was really exciting. She's and she was just so jazzed about the fabrics that we pulled, and it's all good. I love so that. That's inspiring. When things come together, it's so energizing. If something's, you know, like especially this time of year, we're like trying to get furniture in for the holidays. Like, can I get it? Can I fast? You know, track yes. North Carolina. Yeah, the thrill of like meeting those deadlines. Um, it's such a reward. Yes, and everyone being so happy. Mm-hmm. So you must be a people pleaser to truly succeed. I mean, yeah, clearly we thrive on the energy. I'm like, do you, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Do you love me? I know. <laughs> love me so much, please. <laughs> yes. I live for it. Oh yes. gosh. Too <laughs> so funny. Well, oh my gosh, Sally! Thank you so much for sharing oh. your valuable insights and experiences with us today. Your journey and advice will undoubtedly inspire many aspiring interior decorators out there. You know that's true. You've raised so many baby designers. <laughs> well, thank you, Liz. You're so nice to think of me. I'm. I mean, Aww. it was my pleasure to help you get in the biz, and it's amazing what you've done. I'm very, very proud of you. And Aww. you're such a good friend, and we always have so much fun together and laugh. And I wish we got to see each other as much as we used to. But at least I get to see oh, you on Zoom right this minute. <laughs> I know, and then we'll have to get our little crew together so we can see each other face to face soon. Yes, yes, our the design therapy here. group needs to get back together yes. for sure. Well, you were so important to my journey. I mean, really, I'm, I said that in my. My first episode, very integral part of how generous you were and just really opened the door and showed me everything. I mean, you didn't have to. We were, you know, friends of friends, you know, friends mm-hmm. of a friend. That's how we met. Yep. That's how we met. And then we took yep. off. And then we took <laughs> off. And then we fe- we fell in love. That's right. We did. We did. fell in love and we decided we were going to be pals. Yes. Oh, we got to mention when we were superstars on the uh, member. Our, we got to get <gasps> in here on here sometime. Yes. What were yes, we called? We were- the face, um, the face of I don't the have future. It. I don't have it hanging Still anymore. Yeah, it was like four faces of the future or something like that on the Washington Post home section cover. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was big time. We'll have to put that in our show notes. We were on the cover of the home section of the Washington Post. I thought I'd made it. I That's had right. my throw pillow. All of oh, us yeah. in the studio getting our picture taken. I was like, holy cow, this is that it. Was so funny. That was so, so funny. funny. God, I've, it's been so long. But yes, no, that was really exciting. It really was. Really exciting. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we could talk forever. I'll have to have you come back on all the different topics we dig into, like pricing and PR and all the things, because you're a dream guest. You're the best, Liz. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. (laughs) (laughs) And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Behind the Drapery. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep designing those beautiful spaces. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Drapery, where we pull back the curtain on the interior design industry through stories, insights, and creative processes that shape the spaces we create. Make sure you subscribe to get the latest episodes from your favorite podcast platform. And visit our website at lizlevininteriors.com for more information.